All right, hello. Welcome to the Movie Change Up Podcast. Uh, coming to you live from uh, around various places in the United States. Uh, my name's Jill Fricky, bringing you the Mount Rushmore edition of our podcast. Uh, uh, I didn't realize I had everyone else muted, so you couldn't hear that Tristan interrupted me earlier, and so y'all just look like we laughed for no reason. Uh, but anyways, if you're, you know, watch a lot of sports talk or you know, a lot about that, you kind of have an idea of what the Mount Rushmore is as far as discussion goes, or if you've seen the Mount Rushmore edition of our podcast, you also kind of know what we're going for, but uh, if you don't really know what people talk about when they're like, oh, this like this guy belongs on the Mount Rushmore or whatever, uh, basically, you know, to equate it to sports, it's like if you were trying to figure out who to put on the Mount Rushmore for baseball, you might pick, oh, I want this person to represent pitchers, or I want this person to represent batters, I want this person to represent like fielding, and maybe for the fourth option, you might put, like, a catcher or a coach or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's not just necessarily the top four. It's kind of the, um, you know, various categories you might want to represent. And so that's kind of what we're doing here. And today's episode, uh, like I said, is the summer blockbuster. So we wanted to focus on movies that were released uh, between April 1st and August 31st. So if you're wondering, oh, why didn't they say this or why did no one bring up that? You might want to look it up and see when that movie came out because it might not uh, fit the parameters of what we're talking about today. Uh, Johnny, I'll just go around the room and see kind of what everyone's general thoughts are. Was there any categories that were kind of easier to put together, harder to put together? Um, yeah, anyone who doesn't know, my name's Johnny Dupe. Um, yeah, as far as ones that were harder to put together, I think unexpected blockbusters and uh even bombs i think we'll all be kind of all over the board with i think those ones will have the least amount of commonality but i'm interested also to see landmarks which is the first one we're starting off with and uh what everyone kind of what stuck out in their minds what they consider a landmark maybe and what maybe appears in multiple films compared to one you know memorable scene in uh you know a single movie so i'm interested to see see those for sure in the you know some i think are always obvious choices and then there's at least one or two people that don't have them on the list so those are always fun discussions too when that happens all right and uh bobby introduce yourself and same question any categories that were hard any that were easy uh yeah as you said i'm bobby i've been on this show quite a bit if you've ever watched but um yeah i, I found honestly the bombs because i like i'm interested in box office like a bunch of them stood out right away there's one um, that I looked up to make sure, and it was, and it came up as like one of the number one bombs of all time. So I'm like, okay, I'll definitely add that. Um, but I feel like franchises, some kind of stuck out right away in my head. But it, I, there's a lot of room for people to add as many like as they can think of for that. So um, I, I thought some of mine were obvious, but like Johnny said, there's going to be people that don't include, you know, something I think is is an obvious choice on the list, and it's always a fun discussion. All right, and Tristan, uh, same question. And you're muted, so no idea what you're saying. Blurry and muted. Unfortunately, I'm having some technical difficulties here on my side, so good thing talking about blockbusters. They have the budget. I don't have the budget here, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about bombs. Some of my favorite movies are bombs, <laughs> so it's hard to make the cuts on that one, so I'm going to have a fun time talking about that, I'm sure. I'm also really excited for characters. I think what makes a blockbuster character is an interesting question, so I can't wait to hear the discussion on that. I think it'll be kind of all over the place in a few of these categories, so I'm really excited to hear the, the debate. 
Not the debate, the the, the calm discussion. We're not fighting on this show. Uh, we fight a little bit. A little bit. Usually we'll Depends. we'll put the first two on our total. Yeah, so how this show works is we kind of each go around saying what our four picks for the Mount Rushmore are, and then based on what everyone picked, we kind of try to come up with the show's Mount Rushmore. Usually the first two that go on the list are all pretty easy because they're usually on two or three or maybe all of our lists. It's getting that fourth one on there is usually where the debate begins. Uh, but our six categories today are, uh, you know, landmarks and blockbusters, unexpected blockbusters, uh, summer blockbusters that didn't turn out to be blockbusters and were in fact bombs, characters in summer blockbusters, actors in summer blockbusters, and finally summer blockbuster franchises. All right, and uh, I'll get started. Uh, and we're kicking this off with landmarks in summer blockbusters. So if you're wondering why isn't the Statue of Liberty from Planet of the Apes on the list, that's because, like I said earlier, we're covering April 1st to August 31st, and that movie came out in late uh, March. So something like that that you might be like, oh, that's iconic landmark. How's that not on your list? That's why. Uh, so to start off, I have the White House from Independence Day. Like, when we thought of this category to cover for this episode, that was the first one that went in my mind, and I'm like, there's no way this shouldn't make the overall show's list. This should be on everyone's list, because I feel like that's one of the more... When you think summer blockbusters, like that image of the aliens blowing up the White House comes to comes to mind. Uh, next, I have one, because it's a, it's a famous landmark, uh, but its real-world uh, version isn't the exact same version in the movie, and I chose the Fox building, which plays the role of Nakatomi Plaza in Die Hard. One of the things I hear about people that move to L.A. all the time is they're driving through L.A. and they pass the Fox building and they're like, holy shit, it's the <laughs> Die Hard building. So I had to go with the Fox building, a.k.a. Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, for my third real-life landmarks in movies, I have the fire station in Ghostbusters. I see you know, people see it all the time and they don't realize it's a real... Uh, fire station in new york so i had to go with that and then finally uh we talked about it for a quick second on the pre-show and i'm not sure if it'll make the overall list but how for a mount rushmore how could i not choose mount rushmore from north by northwest to go on the mount rushmore of summer blockbusters so those would be my four we got the white house the fox building the fire station from ghostbusters and mount rushmore from north by northwest so, All right. Johnny, what are your four picks? Joe, we have some commonality on our list, and I'll start with those two. First, I think you said everything that needs to be said um, for the White House and Independence Day. That was the first thing I thought of. Um, you know, that's a, a very famous scene of that being destroyed. Um, that's actually surprisingly not one that appears in a bunch of other, like, you know, movies or blockbusters uh, as far as being super memorable but that scene is so memorable i think it deserves a spot on there and i too have yes you can say it was before the term blockbuster was coined but i also have mount rushmore at the end of north by northwest um i know that you know came out well before what we consider blockbusters for some categories that's such an iconic um you know scene and it's a real landmark uh that you know everyone remembers seeing in that movie and it's a Mount Rushmore episode. So I had to include it. Um, and then my other two, I have a variation of Joe's. He chose the, uh, the library from ghostbusters. I did choose the statue of Liberty, but from ghostbusters too, you know, walking around, uh, 
and having the slime like, while they play the music walking through New York. I know some people are split on that movie. Um, I love Ghostbusters 2, and I think that scene's super memorable. Um, and while the Statue of Liberty is maybe, um, you know, it is represented in a lot of other movies like Cloverfield um, and, as Joe mentioned, Planet of the Apes, but those aren't summer releases. I do think uh, it does deserve a spot, and that was the movie that I could place it in. And then my last one um, is one not mentioned by Joe, and I don't know if it'll be on anyone else's list, but I think this is a very um, iconic spot that not a lot of people know the name of, but it's the city of Petra in Jordan, and that is in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where he goes to find the Holy Grail. Um, I think if you look at so many movies that have come out afterwards, they've tried to mimic things that look like that spot, the end of the last crusade if you have if you go through all the mummy movies if you play any of the uncharted games any basically ancient tomb and a lot of movies that have come out afterwards try to replicate that and i think that was um just so iconic and uh you know a stepping stone for a lot of other movies to kind of try to build off of so i i think that's uh very memorable so i went with that so those are my four all right bobby what are your four picks for real life landmarks in summer blockbusters so i i do have i have two commonalities and one definitely is the white house uh, i don't need to say much more about it just the iconic trailer alone of independence day puts it on the list i mean who doesn't you know who doesn't remember that uh the other one i have is mount rushmore because it, it, we probably all thought of it because of the name of the show but it, like you said about north by northwest I'm, and I'm sure it's been featured in other movies, but I figured it kind of has to be on the list. The other one I have one kind of one is just because it's been featured in so many films uh, because of where a lot of films shoot, and that is the Hollywood sign. Um, that's been in a million movies, a lot of summer blockbusters. Uh, if you want to go like recent ones, you can go back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it's been in so many that you can't count at this point, uh, and it's really iconic because of that. Uh, the next. This one is the one that I think has been destroyed the most from what I could find by any of any uh, any landmark in films. And I'm that's already writing Golden, it down. The Golden Gate Bridge. It's oh. been in over 24 movies at this point. Uh, most of them blockbusters where it does get destroyed. Uh, so I, just for that alone, just because you just watch it get destroyed movie after movie every summer, uh, that's got to be in there. So uh, there's my four. All right, blurry face over there. Uh, what do you got for us? And you're muted again. And you're muted. <laughs> <laughs> the first one I'm going to mention here is the one that's already gotten mentioned. Uh, the White House of Independence Day, what, a more iconic shot in an action movie maybe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't name one. And I also wanted to get the Statue of Liberty on my list, but I went with a different movie. I went with X-Men. I think that final mm -hmm. fight in the Statue of Liberty is pretty iconic, especially for thinking about, like, how that movie launched this whole genre, essentially, that took over the entire blockbuster industry afterwards. I think that's kind of an iconic turning point for the for the blockbuster genre, if there's a genre to it. And then my third one I hear, I, I also followed Bobby's logic. I didn't give a specific movie, but what's more blockbuster Hollywood than the Hollywood sign? I put that as my third one. I think it, nothing sp says Hollywood more than a gigantic sign that literally just says the name of where you're at. <laughs> and... I think every, anytime you see it in a movie, you get like that chill of like, oh, here we go. It's a, it's a Hollywood movie, one of those big movies. My last here is uh, from Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Mm -hmm. It's the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world. 
It's the one that uh, Tom Cruise kind of like climbs up in the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol movie. It was the big uh, gimmick stunt of that movie, I think. And it was the tallest building in the world. So it's a landmark. It's a tourist attraction. And it was in a really great action blockbuster. It was in my four. All right. And cool. I'm looking at the here, and we do have four that are kind of separated out that actually have multiple are on multiple we have four that are on multiple lists everything else is only on one list i can read them off if we want to debate and switch them out we can but other than that we can have a quick easy debate and just go with those four and that's uh the white house from independence day all four of us had uh the mount rushmore from north by northwest three of us had and then the statue of liberty two of us had and the hollywood sign two of us had i like those yeah. four yeah, i like that nice to me like I like the Golden Gate Bridge for how many times it's been destroyed, but I would I feel like that and the Hollywood sign are like kind of similar because the Hollywood sign gets destroyed a bunch too. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. featured. So if we're gonna pick one of those, I'd go with that. Yeah, and I looked at the Golden Gate Bridge, but a lot of the movies that it's featured in, like X Men: The Last Stand, and like like Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, like it's in a bunch of really bad movies, especially when it's being destroyed. Um, you obviously San have... Andreas. Yeah, yeah, San Andreas. I mean, I think yeah. the most memorable scene, at least for me personally which is in another movie most people consider bad, is the fight um, at the end of A View to a Kill between yeah. Christopher Walken and Roger Moore. Um, I think that's a very iconic scene. But yeah, I think for the most part, if you want to make a bad movie feature, the Golden Gate Bridge is a prominent uh, plot point. <laughs> it seems to be the... Yeah. the uh, yeah, that uh, was the formula That was just there. sheer numbers and watching it get destroyed is why that was on there. Right. So I'm, I'm good leaving it off. All right, and yeah, so like I said, our you know, what makes the you know summer blockbuster landmark Mount Rushmore? We have the White House from Independence Day, we have Mount Rushmore North by Northwest, the Statue of Liberty from multiple movies, and then the Hollywood sign from multiple movies as well. And so next up, we have unexpected blockbusters, and Johnny is going to kick that list off. All right, so. I'm going to start off with, I have five here, and I'm going to make my final decision when I just get to my fourth. So I think number one, you got to go Jaws, 1975. It was the first, but it was unexpected. Steven Spielberg was an unknown name. The movie blew up afterwards, but like, like even going into the filmmaking, I think it was unexpected by the studio. You had the shark that didn't work. You know, they had to do... Uh, they had to basically change up the script and film, you know, around that. And it ended up being better for it. Um, and then it, it basically started this trend of the summer blockbusters uh, because of that. So I think that was unexpected at the time while everyone nowadays obviously thinks of it as the classic one. Um, I would say also, uh, I think I'm going to put it on my list is 1998, the summer of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Godzilla. No, there's something about Mary. Um, made a ton of money. It was a huge comedy, put the Fairley brothers really on the map, put Ben Stiller on the map, Cameron Diaz, you know, had been in the mask and stuff, but that movie was huge. And if you look at the impact of what that had on comedies for the next 10 years, and you still see it to today, um, that was like a huge R rated, uh, you know, rom-com type of movie. And it made a ton of money. Um, and I don't think anyone really would have expected that from a movie like that coming out. So I, I think that deserves a spot on the list. Um, and it's kind of a different genre than what you'd expect a lot of summer blockbusters to be. My other one, um, 
Now, I don't think anyone expected this movie to fail, but not one person could have predicted how much money that Jurassic World made. Um, that became the the largest uh, opening weekend ever at the time. It's been surpassed, obviously, since, but you know, it had been over 20 years since the original came out. Um, all the sequels had been terrible. The movie itself wasn't very good, but it made so much money um, that I think that's unexpected to me. I, did, I wouldn't have expected it to be as big of a hit um, as it was. And then I'm debating on two for my last ones, but I already have a 90s movie, so I'm going to go with uh, 1989's Batman. You know, there was a lot of heat around Michael Keaton being uh, picked as the guy. People were a little confused by Tim Burton being that. You hadn't really seen kind of a dark superhero movie work. Um, and I think that one just blowing up and, you know, making Batman surpassing him from Superman as like what nowadays is like the number one most popular superhero. I think that had a lot to do with it. And, you know, again, like you didn't have all the superhero movies then coming out, uh, you know, that you do today. And I don't think anyone expected Batman to be as big of a hit as it was and still is. So those are my four and I'll, I'll mention my fifth if it's not anyone else's list at the end. All right, Bobby, what are your four picks for our Mount Rushmore? Well, I have uh, one of yours at least, and that is Jaws, the very first blockbuster. I think that even just because it's the first, it's unexpected, but it did have a lot of production issues, um, the shark not working and a million other script issues and all that. Um, I won't repeat Johnny, but uh, from there, I have basically what has become one of the biggest franchises in the world, or if not the biggest, and that is the original Star Wars, now known as Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. But at the time, it was a crazy idea that everyone did not put a lot of, you know, credence towards that it was going to be any good, that George Lucas could pull this off, this big epic space opera, no one understood it. Uh, and it went on to be the, like, the biggest film of all time um, for a long time, uh, and one of the biggest pop culture pop cultural hits of all time I have one on here that I believe Joe is going to have as well and that's going to be Die Hard um, you had uh, a TV actor basically coming into this action role that no one really expected uh, you know I'll let, I, I think Joe knows more about it and I have a feeling it's on his list so I'm going to let him kind of talk more but it, it was very unexpected to, and it's become like a movie people watch every Christmas It's it has one of the best villains of all time and it and it spawned an, an action, one of the best or one, not best, but one of the longest-running action franchises. Um, and then the next one I have is kind of similar, in a similar vein to what Johnny did with There's Something About Mary. I went with My Big Fat Greek Wedding. came out in 2002. The budget was $5 million and made almost $400 million. It stayed in the top five for, like, the longest that any movie had at that, like, until, like, Avatar, I think. It was uh, Sing or, that surpassed it. That yeah, released, Sing. Uh, when The Force Awakens came out. Yeah, that's the one. So uh, it was, yeah, it was a small little, you know, comedy movie with that not a lot of people would expect to blow up as it did. It came out in August and played out all throughout August and, like, for the rest of the year and for however long. And it, it's one of the biggest, you know, low-budget hits of all time. So that's what I'm going with. And Will Tristan, Tristan be muted? That's the question. <laughs> Not this time. All right, I'm I'm good this time. All right. So my first unexpected blockbuster is one that came out in 1987. It had a really small budget of five million dollars, but it launched a career of Patrick Swayze, and it went from a really low budget B movie to somehow being a huge hit, and that's Dirty Dancing, a huge low budget movie that has now become like a cult classic. And 
Uh, one that had no b business making any money. <laughs> the second is one that's gotten mentioned already, so I'm sure it'll make the cut unless there's a big plot twist, and that's Jaws. The first one that really defined the blockbuster that we know of today, so of course it's unexpected, and I mentioned all the highlights of it already, so I won't cover it too much here. My next one is a, another kind of a bit of a reach because I didn't think of it necessarily as a summer blockbuster, but I looked it up and this did come out May 9th, 1980. It was a weird choice because the movie is called Friday the 13th. Uh, this movie was made on an extremely low budget, $500,000. <laughs> it was made as an extremely low budget ripoff of Halloween, and they're like, just, you know, get it done, get it out, lowest budget possible. And then, of course, it made them like millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> And it's launched a humongous franchise. So I think if you're talking blockbusters, you're talking long-term franchises, you got to give some love to a Halloween uh, movie, a, a horror movie. And Friday the 13th, I think, fits that perfectly of a low-budget big movie that became like a humongous f defining phenomenon that I think people think of as slashes before they even think of Halloween and think of Friday the 13th. And my last one here, I wanted to also throw some love to a comedy. And this is one that came out in 2014 and it could have just been another forgotten kind of stoner comedy but suddenly the entire world couldn't stop talking about the interview so my fourth my fourth spot here is the interview the Seth Rogen James Franco movie about North Korea where it got so much attention that it became like a national cry to release the interview and people all went and saw it people who never would have ever saw it purely for the fun the spectacle of seeing the movie that they shouldn't have seen so that's my last pick the interview Netflix Interesting movie. choice. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Basically. All right. So I guess I'll start. Uh, for my first one, I'll just say I have Jaws. I think we've talked about Jaws uh, as far as, you know, nothing I can really add to that that hasn't been said. Uh, for my next one, I have something different that wasn't really on anyone's list, and that is the original Iron Man movie. You basically had a director who hadn't really directed anything since then, or before then, I mean. You had a star that was considered uninsurable and kind of after, you know, it was, he basically they considered his career to already be over when he starred in it. They were writing the movie essentially as they were filming it. You know, they didn't have a script and it was based on a character that in 2008 no one really, you know, gave a shit about. And then it went from that to launching basically the most popular and successful film franchise of all time with the MCU and without Iron Man. I don't like I don't even know what cinema would look like today. So I had to go with Iron Man. Uh for another one I went with uh the Blair Witch Project, basically a movie that had the budget of a gum wrapper and a shoestring and went on to be like a massive phenomenon. But I also put it on the list partially because of I think it affected the way that films are marketed. I don't know necessarily films and kind of the whole viral marketing campaign. It was like right at the dawn of the internet. I don't know if that's really the same and I mean it's still a movie that people talk about today just because of the fact of how little they spent and how much it made and how much of a phenomenon it came, became and then finally for my fourth pick Bobby was right I do in fact have Die Hard on my list you had a director I mean the director was somewhat successful I think at that point he had directed Predator before then John McTiernan uh, but yeah, you had a star who was known as a sitcom star when all of your other action hero leads were Stallone and Schwarzenegger and these big muscular guys. And Bruce Willis was this sitcom guy who wasn't really muscular. He's kind of an everyman guy. Uh, your villain was completely 100% unknown. No one had any idea who he was. 
Uh, it was based on a book, but they completely ignored the book and did their own thing. Uh, when they went into production, they hadn't even uh, finished writing the ending yet. They changed the ending midway through. And then from there, you basically that movie has inspired essentially every action movie since then, where it seems like every single one for like the next 20 years was die hard on a plane, die hard on a bus, die hard on the side of a mountain. And, and so, those were just the Die Hard movies. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and so those are my four picks. Jaws, Die Hard, Iron Man, and The Blair Witch Project. And now we have an interesting debate, because I think Jaws is a lock. All four of us have that. Yeah. Two of us have Die Hard, and then those are the only ones with multiple. Every single one is just uh, on only one list. So, is there, anyone that, is there any movie that someone else said that stuck out that you thought, oh, I wish I had thought of that, and it should have been on the list? I mean... Um... Yeah, you go ahead I think one. Um, I think one that Joe mentioned that is a good one is the Blair Witch Project. I, I think that was something. I mean, that not only I I'd put that above Friday the Thirteenth because Friday the Thirteenth didn't start any new trends. But how many found footage movies have we gotten ever since Blair Witch Project was successful? Because you can shoot it for absolutely no money. And every single time you make a profit on it. And I think that's kind of the key to what even Tristan was mentioning with Friday the 13th of it was very low budget and it made a bunch of money. Um, I think that is kind of the, you know, unexpected element of that being such a success. That was basically like this viral thing at the time. It was one of the first things you could ever say went viral. Um, And, you know, it started this trend of uh, found footage that we're still getting today. So that'd be my argument towards one that, um, wasn't on my list. Yeah, and I would make an argument for one that wasn't on my list as well, and that's, I think it was Bobby that picked Star Wars, mainly because yeah. of, if you want to talk unexpected, I remember uh, Spielberg had Close Encounters of the Third Kind come out in 1977, and George Lucas had, obviously, Star Wars come out in 77, and they had a bet of which one would be more successful, and George Lucas thought Close Encounters would be more successful, and Spielberg thought Star Wars would be successful, so its own director wasn't even exactly banking on it's success, so that would be my vote to make the list of what we have as Star Wars. I would vote if we're going to have a 1970s-style blockbuster, we'd either have Jaws or Star Wars. I don't really see a reason to put both of those yeah. on there. I think they accomplish the same thing. And I'm going to say that if we're going to have a horror movie, I would go with Blair Witch Project. I didn't think that was a summer blockbuster, so I didn't go with it. But I think that's yeah. much more of the, the realm of the mm-hmm. unexpected blockbuster. You had the viral marketing aspect that is still popular today. You had extreme extreme low budget they just filmed down like a shoestring in the forest you know that kind of thing so i i vote for blair witch yeah that would be that definitely would be the horror i'm just double checking really quick because i'm pretty sure when i looked it up it was like a may release date yeah well you check that though i would say yeah blair witch was that stood out um if we're gonna pick one between like star wars and jaws i would go with jaws because it was the first one but star wars like it really is like I guess if it wasn't a Mount Rushmore and it was just like a top ten, it's in the top half of that. Yeah. But yeah, um, for for something for what it did for movies or whatever, if we're going with seventies, that's fine with me. Um, if we're gonna go with a more modern one, I think Iron Man for starting the Marvel franchise. Basically, it's like it it created um, the biggest franchise that we have 
running right now that's been going since 2008, so... I'll give one reason that I don't think Iron Man necessarily fits as an unexpected blockbuster because Marvel was really banking on it like they wanted it to do well. I think that kind of defeats like it was it wasn't unexpected. They they needed it to do well. They were putting a lot behind it. It was no really marketed heavily. I remember when because when they first were because they're talking about doing it forever like with Tom Cruise and all that and it was um, when everyone like heard the announcement, it, everyone was kind of just basically shitting on it the whole time and saying that it's you know this is going to be terrible. Everyone was just kind of looking forward to the to uh, the Dark Knight at that I, point. Like, I so I think my my argument it. my argument against Iron Man would be if we're gonna go with something that started this huge franchise that no one expected to do well, Star Wars is a better choice than Iron Man. Iron Man was it came out after Batman Begins. It came out when Marvel was putting all their eggs in one basket. And if it didn't have that post credit scene of Samuel Jackson coming in basically saying we're gonna start a team, you could say it's unexpected. But they obviously at least when they did that scene, they were like, okay, I think this is going to be good and this is going to spawn sequels. Um, and you can say a lot of movies, you know, before that tried to set up sequels that never happened. Look at, you know, mention it, but Godzilla in the 90s and things like that tried to do it. Um, I think we, we don't have a comedy represented. And I, I while I like Bobby's pick of my Big Fat Greek Wedding because of how much money it made, I don't think that is in anyone's mind nowadays or like two years after that movie came out they made a sequel and it didn't do very well from what i remember at least it probably made some money but no one cared about it um but it didn't stay in the zeitgeist of anything and i think there's something about mary started this whole like blair witch project started this found footage after there's something about mary it was like we need kind of r-rated gross out comedies in that style and that was kind of the first of its time to really do that um you had rom-coms before obviously but you didn't have anything that was you know this is r-rated you have the you know sperm in her hair type of scene and which is still like, like an iconic that's thing long, people reference call, but, today I, I have, have, yeah even argument. like the the zipper in the yeah. you know bathroom like there's a lot of stuff in that movie that really stuck with people and i think t- even today you know over 20 years later people still talk about that but no one talks about my big fat greek wedding but both of those weren't expected to be huge hits and they were the number one hits of like their year basically i think there's something about mary was the number one movie of 1998 i have an argument to make really quick for dirty dancing i think you talk about something that no one thought would be a hit that people still talk about like people love that song still that song plays at every wedding and every bar and it's was adapted into a musical that's actively touring and i think it's still a movie that's in the zeitgeist people talk about it and uh, i think also you want if you want to cover blockbusters i think you want to cover and i like this a lead hit single like a, a, that was kind of a thing for movies at a time like you want to have that big hit single when you, if you're out of your blockbuster so i think dirty dancing covers the comedy it also covers the big hit single kind of era of music it launched a career so i think it covers a lot of the ground that we've been discussing here but i think everything that you just said about that movie you can apply to saturday night fever and that came out before so i don't necessarily think that dirty dancing was the first of its kind to to do that as much. I know those were, you know, almost probably 10 years apart or eight years apart. Uh, and Travolta was a, a bigger star after Greece than um, Swayze was going into that. But I, I think you had seen some success in that exact same genre before. And, you know, same thing with the music that's played at weddings, you know, Saturday Night Fever. I hear that song a lot more than anything from Dirty Dancing. So I think that's too similar to me to say it's a, super unexpected hit um and it's also not something i ever hear people talk about as like you know a surprise 
you know, hit or even like a top movie of like the eighties, as far as like money being made. I, I think if you but it was, at, I mean, though. you can look at the stats and you can see that it was, I, if it was, but I never hear that like reference and I think it was a good pick, but I just don't know if necessarily that had even the same effect on the industry as my, basically my tiebreaker would be, I don't think it has the same effect on the industry that there's something about Mary had. Um, my fifth one, by the way, that I didn't mention was the sixth sense, but I think uh, Blair Witch Project was a better choice than mm-hmm. that. So I'm glad I didn't go with that one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think uh, on those? And is that what we're right. deciding on? I mean, so... we threw out Star Wars, but Star Wars and Batman, I think, are similar arguments, and Iron Man are all three very similar. Yeah. All right. So my thing was I, w- I wanted to go by the numbers. We're talking summer blockbuster. To me, that's a budget thing. Uh, to an extent for if I want a tiebreaker. And my thing was, there's something about Mary. Johnny was wrong. It wasn't the number one that year. It was number four. And Dirty Dancing okay. was number 16. So for me, just based on that, because I was already kind of leaning there's something about Mary, and that kind of sealed it. So for me, that's where my vote would go, is there's something about Mary. Do you know, yeah. do you know what the budget of both were? Do you know what the budget of Dirty, Dirty Dancing Dirty Dancing's was? budget is... Five million dollars. And what was there something about Mary? Um, Probably a little more than that. Yeah, I'd assume. Just a second. Uh, Twenty-three. But then you also have to take into account that they were made like ten years apart too. Yeah, so that's inflation. Nice. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, if we put that up to a vote, Bobby, what do you think between those two? Between those two, I think I would also lean. There's something about Mary, but Dirty Dancing is a really good pick because it it does yeah. stand out. Yeah, it's um, not one I would have thought like, of. That was yeah. a good choice. So, but it, like, I feel like a comedy kind of, you know, a straight up kind of raunchy comedy that spawned a lot of of those coming out in that era. Like, I'm good with that. I mm. I like Big Fat Greek Wedding for the story. So, I'd like a Mount Rushmore thing. I you know even, but it didn't really stay in the zeitgeist. So that's fine with me. Yeah, because I like there's something about Mary too. So if we're going between those, um, but yeah, I would say. I would say there's something about Mary, but it, it, I, do, I do like the pick. Yeah, pick was good, so we locked in on those four. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right. Also, shout out to Tristan with the interview because I forgot that movie yeah. existed. And so also, it, it was a and it was a streaming hit because it was yeah. in theaters. Like, it made like six million dollars because it was on streaming at the same time or whatever. But it was yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of like a movie that made a lot of streaming, but that definitely is something else that you know we see a lot of today, especially today. Yeah. All right. So uh, our four movies making our Mount Rushmore of unexpected summer blockbusters. We have Jaws, Die Hard, The Blair Witch Project, and There's Something About Mary. Which I guess then brings us to kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, and that's summer blockbuster bombs. And I think we are starting off with Bobby. So, Bobby, what are your four picks for box office bombs? So the first pick is one that kind of was like, it was talked about in the zeitgeist as one of the biggest bombs of all time for, for a very long time. Like growing up, I knew this was a big bomb and that was Waterworld uh, from 1995. The budget just kept going up and up and up on that movie. It came out, it made a little made like it made some money, but because of how much the budget was, it um, lost a ton of money for the studio Uh, and just more for the legend. I feel like that one, because of the story. Like I, like I said, I heard that before I was really paying attention to movies is that that was a big bomb. Uh, the next one I have 
is uh, the one that literally is one of the biggest bombs of all time, and that is 2002's The Adventures of Pluto Nash uh, with Eddie Murphy. That movie had a budget of $100 million and made $7 million at the box office. It was a disaster and is just a terrible movie um, and was kind of in the era of it kind of started Eddie Murphy making some on a streak of pretty bad movies. Uh, the next one I have is an iconically bad movie that John John Travolta, who we were just talking about, is in, and that is Battlefield Earth from the year 2000. Uh, just a weird, bizarre, crazy movie uh, with a budget of, what was it, $73 million and made $29 million at the box office. They marketed it a bunch. It was John Travolta's like, passion project for the most part uh, and just is just a really crazy movie. The last one I have is one that I think a little bit more modern, and I included it because of kind of the reason it, I feel like it bombed, which was the marketing. Uh, so it's kind of the example of what a bad marketing campaign and a, and a name of a movie can do, and that's John Carter from 2012. Um, the budget on that movie also was over $300 million. It was like $306 million because of, uh, of a lot of kind of behind-the-scenes issues. Um, and it made, you know, well under that, so... That's one also for the budget, just going going insane and crazy to over three hundred million, which at the time was unheard of. Uh, and I just think the the poor name because it's a space movie, but John Carter is the most boring title that you can give anything. Uh, so that's kind of why I included it on the list. But yeah, so Great Waterworld, John though. Carter, yeah, Adventures of Pluto, Nash, and Battlefield Earth. Those are my four. Yeah, I think the whole story I've read behind that with the John Carter is, I guess, movies with Mars in the title have a big track record of like bombing at the box office, so they decided which, not to include Mars in the title. Which I know, I think also, which is so dumb, yeah. because that at least makes it sound... You at least know what the movie's about. It sounds like a lawyer film or something, but it's yeah. just John Carter, like, or a coach, Coach yeah. Carter. Yeah. yeah. It's the prequel to Coach Carter. It's the story of how he yeah. became a coach. All right, yeah. Tristan, what are your four picks? I tried to cover four kind of different grounds of what a bomb is, and the first one here is one that uh, was going to launch a whole franchise, and then, of course, it bombed and not just killed the franchise, but killed one of the biggest studios in Hollywood, and that is, I'll call it Fan Four Stick, uh, the <laughs> Josh Trank Fantastic Four from 2015. Uh, there was tons of money put into this, hundreds of millions of dollars, and then, of course, the director got fired in a really big... Uh, explosive way and they had to reshoot it with a new director and it looked terrible it came out terrible and it bombed so hard that I think 20th Century Fox sold because of this movie like I don't I think if this movie worked they would have launched a franchise they would have kept X-Men going they would have been okay they would have been able to float by but the fact that this died it kind of killed all their franchise potential and then they just kind of gave up and now Disney bought out, bought out Fox clearly because of this terrible bad superhero movie the second one I wanted to cover here is one of those bombs that has become so bad it's good. You know, it makes no m money. It gets trashed. The critics, everyone hates it, but then kind of over the, over the years, it grows and becomes something uh, of a cult favorite. And what embodies that more than The Room from June uh, 2003? Uh, came out, made no money. He insisted on running it in New York and LA for award consideration, and it bombed in all the theaters. But, of course, uh, that's the cult favorite. That's the midnight movie uh the room so that's my pick for bomb my third is one that bombed when it came out but kind of became a huge not just a cult hit but acclaimed one of the most acclaimed movies of all time and that is citizen kane it came out in may 1941 it made no money the studio itself tried to kind of bury it it had a lot of political press around it so it didn't make much money 
But of course, now you ask any like film professor or film snob, they'll tell you it's the best movie of all time. So I think going from not even being wide release and kind of just flopping to being considered one of the best movies of all time, I think is a climb that is worthy of Mount Rushmore. And this last one here is one that was going to launch a whole genre of video game movies, but instead it nearly collapsed Square Enix, the studio, and nearly killed the entire Final Fantasy brand. It's kind of a personal choice, I guess, but it's Final Fantasy Spirits Within from 2001. It was going to be the movie that launched video game movies, and then it collapsed. It lost $100 million, and Square had to get bought by Enix, or Enix had to get bought by Square, becoming Square Enix, and that's why you have Square Enix now making Final Fantasy, because if they didn't get bought out, the whole company would have collapsed, and the whole franchise would have died because of this movie. So that's my pick for my four bombs. I got Final Fantasy, uh, The Room, Fantastic Four, and Citizen Kane. All right. Uh, I'll kick off my four. First one I have is one I was surprised wasn't on anyone's list, and that's Wild Wild West. It was, at the time, the most... Uh, you know, had the, was the highest budgeted movie of all time when it was released. You had Will Smith at the top of his game working with a director uh, he'd worked with before, working on a kind of somewhat known IP based on a television show, and it came out and it was just garbage and you know did terrible at the box office. So I had to go with Wild Wild West. Uh, next up, just like Bobby, I went with uh, Battlefield Earth. It's you know a notoriously terrible movie that made no money. And then for my last two, I wanted to go in a different direction as far as the bomb. I decided to go with movies that I think are considered good, but just failed at the box office. And my first one is Iron Giant, which uh, had a budget or yeah had a budget of around fifty million and made uh, thirty million at the box office. It was directed by Brad Bird, had Jennifer Aniston and Vin Diesel uh, as voices in the movie, so you would expect. Uh, if you look at it now, you would think that movie should be super successful, especially because of how good the story is, and it just did terribly at the box office. And then for my other one, I wanted to go with a comedy, and I chose uh, Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping, a movie that everyone that saw it really enjoyed it. I think it's kind of uh, gotten more recognition as time goes on, just because pe- more people have discovered it, but it had a budget of $25 million and it made... 9 million at the box office so you'd think with a movie that with a low budget of 25 million it could at least make its money back but it still failed at the box office so those are my picks wild wild west battlefield earth iron giant and pop star and we lost yeah. tristan so yeah, we right. lost tristan but it's all right for now well, we'll see if he gets back who knows we don't need him for now oh, he'll be back i can hear you. uh just can't see it or you can't see me right now but i promise i can see you that's not creepy. All right. All right. So this is one I'm debating on two again, but I'll start off with my similarities. I have one of the biggest bombs of all time, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Uh, that one is known as one of the biggest bombs of all time that has to uh, be on this list. And I also am surprised that Joe is the only was the first one to mention this. I also have Wild Wild West. I think what both of those cover are. The Adventures of Pluto Nash is we're just going to take, you know, Eddie Murphy's a big star. We can do whatever we want with him and we're going to put out a movie. Wild Wild West was this producer worked on successful movies and we're going to let him do whatever he wants. And that's John Peters. Those are the reason, you know, big reasons that those movies failed. Um, So I'm going to go with kind of different, different types of movies from either two. One um, is the most recent pick. Uh, 
And I'm going to go with The Mummy from 2017 because that, I think, is the Mount Rushmore of we're going to start our big universe. We're going to make the Universal Monsters franchise. We're going to put all these in. And instead of focusing on the actual movie, they just added all of these bullshit elements to try to um, copy what Marvel did in the absolute worst way. And you've seen that happen to DC. You've seen that happen to multiple other franchises. But I think uh, The Mummy from 2017 was the epitome of that. So I think that's kind of um, the most recent, uh, you know, story of failure based on like today's Hollywood. And I think that's something that we might still see continue unless companies learn their lessons from the mummy. Um, And if we look at, you know, movies stop trying to set up universes in the first one, we're going to look at the mummy as the reason that they stopped doing that. And then I was debating on two, one of my choices that I'm not going to go with because like Waterworld, it basically broke even. It wasn't like a huge, like at a studio didn't completely lose all its money is Evan Almighty from 2007 because I thought that really um, represented like the let's go huge with the sequel and we'll put all this money into it. And then it basically, it made a little under what its budget is. It definitely lost money based on probably, you know, marketing that's not included in the budget, but I didn't end up going with that. I went for a movie that Bobby saw in movie theaters back in 2005. It had a $135 million budget, um, not including marketing, and it made just under $80 million. The soundtrack was by the band Incubus, and that's all you need to know. It is the movie Stealth from 2005. I I did not see this movie in theaters. What? I I remember you telling me about it. I've never seen this movie, actually. I've okay, seen it on, I've seen I've seen parts on TV. I thought I remembered you telling me about seeing it, but never mind. No. Anyway, Stealth, um it's a terrible movie. It is the epitome of like early 2000s. Um if you look at like The Hulk and you look at a lot of these really terrible action movies that came out and didn't do well, Stealth is everything that you look for in that. It is the really bad special effects that don't hold up. I think the movie takes place in like 2016 or 2017 and it's supposed to be this future movie um it basically just took you know jamie fox is big right now he just did ray let's throw him in this and then they kill him off like halfway through the movie it's so terrible and it bombed and it was so um forgettable that i think that's what made it a big bomb it's not something that went on to have success afterwards it didn't become a cult hit it and for good reason it was just that is like the most boneheaded decision by a studio maybe in the history of, of film thinking that that was a good idea. And it wasn't one too, that like they kept having to do reshoots because the studio didn't do it. Like they were all on board and this movie was awful and it bombed. Um, so I think that is a fun new, like, I don't think that most bombs I think are studios realize halfway through that it's not, not good. They have to do all these reshoots. They fire directors. They bring people in. This one was, you know, we're going to market this as the biggest movie of the year. And then it just flopped because it sucks so bad. And I, I think that's a fun little category bomb. So I have uh, that my list uh, overall then is Adventures of Pluto Nash, uh, Wild Wild West, The Mummy uh, from 2017, and Stealth. All right. So looking over what everyone has, we have three that are on multiple lists. We have Wild Wild West is on two, Battlefield Earth is on two, and The Adventures of Pluto Nash are on two. And I have a nomination for that fourth spot, 
And I, for me, I would pick uh, Johnny's pick of the 2017 Mummy because I do think it kind yeah, of is the epitome, uh, the epitome of that. We're gonna start a franchise before we even have our first movie bomb, which is yeah. I think a worthy category of bombs that should be represented. And I think Johnny's pick of the Mummy. If I had thought of the Mummy, I think it would have been on my list, but I didn't think of it, so it's not on my list. I don't know. I think they want to make a push for the room. I think we want to cover like the So Bad Is Good bomb, like something that bombs. But that's not a, a good is classic. that a bomb? Yeah. That's yeah. not a financial budget. bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because the 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 like it it bombed critically and it was like you know and he tried to push for like Oscars and stuff because Tommy Tommy Wiseau was crazy but it it you know it cost. I feel like he's made money, money on that movie. Person. Yeah, exactly. It cost yeah. a lot of money for one single person, but in the long run, not a lot of money, and it only was in like a few theaters and stuff. So yeah, I I, when I think of like a box office bomb, like that's. Yes, that might have come out in the summer, but that's not a blockbuster by any means, and it's not really a a bomb financially. It's just he lost being lots crazy. of money on it. I mean, but he's made it all back now. I mean, if not more, he's probably got more money now than when he started with that, based on just that movie alone. So, so do we want to cover something that was like a that bomb, a bomb that became good, like a Citizen Kane or something like that? A bomb when it came out, and now of course is acclaimed. Um, I think you'd have to go something a little more recently. I mean. I know we talked Why? about North by Northwest for summer blockbuster, summer but like blockbuster. if you look at if I personally and I don't know if this applies to everyone, but if I think of a summer blockbuster, usually it is a pretty decent size, like either an adventure film or an action film or something along those lines. And I don't think Citizen Kane really fits that. It's it's like an Oscar movie that just came out in the wrong time of year. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if the post came out in you know, the summer, I wouldn't say that's a summer blockbuster just because of the release date. Like it's not a blockbustery type of movie, you know, it's, you know, yeah. what I think of it. And it was well before it was even, you know, way before yeah. blockbusters existed. Yeah. Basically yeah. the term blockbuster started for the most part with jaws. Like that's yeah. why that exists. So I'd say anything after that, especially with financial like box office wise, that's yeah. when it was really kept track of yeah. as far as I don't, like, I don't know when, and, um, I don't know when like The Shining came out, but if that was a summer movie, I'd say that because it's more of a big movie by yeah. big people, and it kind of bombed at the time. And now people nineteen eighty recognize it as something bigger. Oh, yeah, so yeah, like May. I'd say that like the Blair Witch Project isn't like this big movie, but it was still like an event water cooler thing that everyone was talking yeah. about. So was Citizen Kane. Yeah. We just weren't alive. Like <laughs> no, it... but just I mean, if we're talking, right, the, the whole point is, is money for the most part. Yeah. All right, so Next yeah, category. our four uh, Mount Rushmore that we have for box office bombs, we have Wild Wild West, Battlefield Earth, The Adventures of Pluto and Ash, and 2017's The Mummy. I will say this, though, because we didn't really talk about it. I didn't pick Battlefield Earth, even though I, I came across and thought of it, was that was just a passion project by Travolta, and it was this studio that their idea at the time, I think it was like Franchise Studios, was just like, we're going to just only finance movies for actors, passion projects. And no one expected that movie to make any money at all. And it bombed as it should have. And it wasn't very successful and no one saw it. Like, I don't necessarily think of that as a bomb just because it came out and didn't make money. Like no one would have said that it would. I think a bomb to me is more of something that 
you put a studio puts a lot of money into you think it's going to be a hit and then it fails yeah. and no one thought that but the problem was they still even though it's everyone knew it was a bad idea they still put a huge budget on it at the time so it was like that's part of why i was including yeah. it because if it was if it if they put a small budget on it and it made like a little money and it was just a story because of how bad it was but then it probably wouldn't have worked but yeah, i think true. because it was a a big budget movie for whatever reason kind of it fits the bill yeah that that was my thought process for not picking it for the most part um but yeah and same with Waterworld. i think basically broke even by the end of the day excluding probably marketing so i didn't pick that too even though i know that one had a wild budget of like over 200 million dollars yeah it was the biggest budget on a movie for a long time it was more the story i'm for some of the mount rushmore picks i went with like the story yeah. behind it yeah. type yeah. of deal because of just for a different reason but i can see that not making it yeah and uh, spinner 58 said in the comments that they see a blockbuster as a movie that every kid thinks he needs to see with his friends which i feel like kind of fits what also citizen kane sucks and people got to stop pretending it's good. Oh, I like it. But <laughs> next up, we have Tristan kicking us off with uh, blockbuster characters. I'm excited for this category. Yeah. For Thirst character, I think I have a staple of blockbuster franchises. We kind of debated whether or not these movies count as summer or not at the beginning before the episode, but it's James Bond. I think whether or not tactically he's a summer blockbuster, I think he has enough to qualify. And I think every like suave, cool guy, like even John Wick, is inspired by James Bond, and I think all of those kind of cool guy, smooth-talking, hot guy characters are all trying to be James Bond, so I think that's kind of why I gave that spot to Bond. My second is one that I think people are also trying to emulate really hard, and that's John McClane. I think every wisecracking, like, real guy in the wrong situation kind of character we see, whether it's in a diehard ripoff, whether it's in, like, a totally different genre, like just a guy throwing off his rocker and he's trying to be wisecracking he's not like the other cops you know he's swearing he's kind of cool i think john mcclain fits that mold really well so that's my pick my fourth my third spot i wanted to uh go for a female character and i think one that was really inspirational aspirational for women and led a huge franchise uh throughout my childhood and i think all of our childhoods is hermione granger i think that was a huge character and i think we've seen that character tried to be emulated in a lot of characters recently but everyone knows Hermione I think she's probably the most iconic and interesting character of a, of a franchise that's not even named after her <laughs> so that's my third choice and my last is one that I think without this particular character you don't get the MCU we talked about Iron Man is like an unexpected hit but I think Tony Stark the character is the big reason we have that movie is a hit I think the fact that he was so likable and so charming is why the movie did so well and it's why people wanted to see more of him people wanted to see more of the MCU because they wanted more Iron Man. I remember people were watching Avengers like, oh, where's Tony Stark going to come up? So I think without Tony Stark, the MCU doesn't work. So that's my last bet. Yeah, I'm giving it to Tony Stark. So those are my four picks. All right. Johnny, you're up. I'm up. Are you up? Oh, wait. No, I'm up. My bad. I, I should. <laughs> I was like, what are you, skipping Joe? I don't know where anyone else is. Tristan's invisible. Bobby's gone. Everything's chaos. So, uh, for my first one, I have kind of what I think of as almost like the quintessential box office or summer blockbuster character, and I went with uh, Indiana Jones. You know, you know, kicked off a franchise. You know, it's played by the same actor, obviously, as Han Solo, but I feel like it stands on its own and its own uh, character. Uh, next up, I kind of have I have uh, Marty McFly, who I feel like, as far as a franchise lead, stands apart from a lot of these other summer franchises which are these older more muscular 
uh, kind of characters where he's kind of like this everyman type thing where they somehow figured out how to make a character that seems like a jock, but he's also nerdy. I feel like pretty much anyone can identify with Marty McFly. Uh, next up, I have Michael Keaton's Batman, who I think without that character and the portrayal of that character, I don't know if we have like the superhero uh, kind of boom that we have right now and I think part of that is Michael Keaton's Batman so uh, so influential that they're bringing him back for the Flash movie to reprise the role and then for my fourth one I wanted to do uh, something different so I went with an animated character and I went with Shrek who I feel like is super popular character still relevant today and is almost like stands alone separate from their film franchise and so those are my four picks. Indiana Jones, Marty McFly, Michael Keaton's Batman, and Shrek. All right. Um, interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought Shrek. I like that choice. I have some commonality with what has been um, mentioned so far. I also have James Bond because, while well, you know, if you look at the franchise now and you say, okay, there's 24 movies, 10 of them were released in the summer, Yes, but once it hit the 90s, they decided to go more towards November, October. Um, the f 10, 10 movies of the first 14 were all summer. That was the epitome of the summer blockbuster movie before the MCU, before Mission Impossible, before Fast and Furious, before any of these big franchises. That was the summer blockbuster franchise. So I think James Bond definitely deserves a spot. Um, Indiana Jones, I agree with Joe on that one. Um, yeah, all of his movies are released in the summer. It's played by the same actor. It's very iconic. Um, I also went with, I didn't specify which one because all of the movies have basically been summer movies. I said Batman. You can go Christian Bale there. You can go Michael Keaton there. You can go Ben Affleck. I advise against it, but you can. Um, pretty much all those are summer movies and Batman's in those. And for my fourth pick, I went with my favorite character of all time in any movie. Um, the best character in the first summer blockbuster of all time, I went with Quint, played by Robert Shaw in Jaws. Um, we're going characters. I don't need to see him in multiple movies if he makes that big of an impact. He's in the first Jaws. All you need to see him is in, you know, screen time-wise, he's probably not in it very much. But for the Indianapolis speech alone, calling everybody chief, you know, great character, uh, super memorable I think you could argue that he is just as memorable, if not more memorable than any of the other characters on yeah. any of our lists. And he only appears in one movie compared to some that we have in multiple franchises. So that's why I wanted to represent a character that was only in one that was memorable compared to, you know, the rest of my list are guys that are franchises. So those are my four. Yeah. He does make an appearance in another movie. No, he doesn't. <laughs> guys. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Bobby right. tried to pitch a serious movie with that same character. <laughs> All right. Well, I my list is not going to be my list isn't going to be super interesting because I do have three that are commonalities, but I do have one that is different. Uh, I'll start with my commonalities. I have Bruce Wayne slash Batman. I mean, like Johnny said, almost all of his movies have been in the summer. It could be any actor. Um, it's been a constant ever since 1989. There's usually a Batman franchise going on. Uh, I also have Indiana Jones. I think that is, as much as I love Han Solo, that is Harrison Ford's standout. Like, that is his role, and he is an Indiana Jones. Um, and those movies are, like, the typical what you think of for a summer blockbuster with the adventure, 
uh, kind of style and those stories that are just like sing one-off like adventures that this character can go on. Um, I also have Tony Stark Iron Man because of the more modern MCU uh, and kind of starting off, like, I, like I've said before, the, one of the biggest franchises or the biggest going on right now. Uh, and then the last one that I have is similar to Johnny's Quint pick in that it's someone from only one movie that I, makes a huge impact, and it's a movie that sticks around and everyone still talks about the character and the actor, and that is Hans Gruber from Die Hard. I think it is, I like having a villain represented for the summer blockbuster characters, um, and Hans Gruber, for his single appearance, is one of the most iconic villains of all time, including his death scene, um, his unique voice, you know, the first time we ever heard Alan Rickman, um, and I think he just stands out as one of the best villains in an action, like summer action movie ever. Um, so there's my four, Bruce Wayne, Indiana Jones, Tony Stark, and Hans Gruber. All right, so we have... We have four that are on multiple lists. We could go with those four. We could switch them out. So we have Indiana Jones is on three, Batman is on three, James Bond is on two, and Tony Stark is on two. Is everyone good with those four? Is there any we want to switch out and change around? Or My only argument to switching out for Hermione is to get a, a female character on the list, but my, my one, that's worth it. My only argument against Hermione is I, I don't know fully all of the release dates, but I always thought those were like more like November, yeah. Christmas. They were, releases. they were, they were Christmas time. I don't know if any of them came out in the summer. Right. I do love Hermione. I yeah. mean, the um, I know at least Deathly Hollows Part Two did and was one of the biggest hits of that summer. But yeah, for the most part, I don't think of that franchise as a summer summer movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like Lord of the Rings stuff. It was like Christmas time. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, the reason that I didn't put Tony Stark on my list is because I think he's the same thing as, like, all the Star Wars characters. While you do have memorable people in it, you just have so many to choose from. I do think if you were to pick a standout from the MCU, he's he's got to be it, though. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the only reason I didn't pick him, but I knew he would be on, on multiple uh, yeah. lists. So I think, that's, I think that's a strong four of very... Um, you know, solid characters and all of them appeared in multiple films. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, before we read off the list, uh, Mr. Moist Mason wants to know why we have Tony Stark over Dominic Toretto. How come up with because, because, because he's a good character. A yeah. Because <laughs> Dominic Toretto is like the worst character in those movies. Yeah. I would have yeah. went with any of the other characters. All right. And Fast and Furious over him. All right. So our four uh, Mount Rushmore picks. For characters in summer blockbusters, we have Indiana Jones, Batman, James Bond, and Tony Stark. So, I'm super excited for the next category. All right, and then our next category, we have actors in summer blockbusters, and I'm kicking that off. And I made oh, I remember what my change was. I made a last minute change uh, because I remembered some things. Uh, so first off. Uh, to kick this off, a character or a person we just recently talked about, I have Harrison Ford. Uh, you know, he, one of his characters made our Mount Rushmore of summer blockbuster characters. He also played Han Solo, and then there were some other kind of one-off roles like Air Force One. And so Harrison Ford made my list. Uh, and then I also have Tom Cruise, who uh, basically made my list for ushering and kind of bringing us the Mission Impossible franchise and leading... Uh, that franchise and I feel like it's the best action franchise going right now and maybe of all time 
then I also have Will Smith, who basically dominated the 90s as far as summer blockbusters. There was a time basically up until Wild Wild West, he was known as Mr. July 4th because he had a new movie every July 4th weekend, and it was kind of always one of the big hits of the summer. And then finally I have kind of in an age where the movie star doesn't exist anymore, a guy who basically can release anything in theaters and it'll be a big hit, and that's Dwayne The Rock Johnson for my final and fourth pick of my Mount Rushmore summer blockbuster actors. Yeah, I'm excited for this category because I think the there's three of them that are going to be obvious, and then I think the fourth spot is going to be where we come to debate on. So like Joe, I have Harrison Ford, but I think the, the most obvious choice here is Tom Cruise. Um, just based on my account alone, he's been in 11 different summer blockbuster movies. It's been, I believe it's four Mission Impossible movies that were released in the summer. Top Gun, Risky Business, Days of Thunder, Minority Report, Collateral, War of the Worlds, Tropic Thunder. All of those were released in the summer, and those are just the big ones um, that he's done. So I think that's a without a doubt. I also went with Will Smith because he did, obviously, Independence Day, both Men in Black, or, well, all three, I think, Men in Black movies that he was in. Um, I, Robot, both, like, all the Bad Boys movies. He's been in a ton of summer blockbusters. So I think those three, sure, it's not a debate on. Um, yes, Suicide Squad. Um, and then I, I think my last one I will argue for because everyone knows at this point my love of James Bond. And I think people don't give Roger Moore the credit that he deserves. And we talked about how 10 of the, you know, James Bond movies were released in the summer. Roger Moore did. Live and Let Die, which was June of 73. He did The Spy Who Loved Me, which was June of 77. Moonraker, which was June of 79. For Your Eyes Only and Cannonball Run in 1981, which were both huge hits. Cannonball Run made like $160 million. Um, and then he did Octopussy and A View to a Kill, both uh, in 83 and 85 in, in the summer as well. So when James Bond was dominating the summers, it was Roger Moore uh, as James Bond. And he also has another movie in there with Cannonball Run, that made a ton of money and was a huge hit. So I wanted to find at least one if he, you know, did it outside of his franchise and he did, uh, he was a bigger star than people remember him being. Um, and I think he deserves a spot on the list because like Joe said with Harrison Ford, he already has a character that's on the Mount Rushmore. Um, and while most of his big hits were that character, he also went outside of it uh, for at least one huge hit as well as some other ones that maybe weren't as memorable for being, you know, big hits, but popular movies so my four then are harrison ford tom cruise will smith and roger moore all right bobby what do you got for your four picks uh this might be a quick one because i have all three commonalities of what johnny just had with joe so harrison ford will smith tom cruise those were like i think gimmies in my mind um will smith i was actually debating but i mean he was like he defined when we were growing up you know, he was the movie star. Every movie of his was a big hit that we needed to go see. Um, and Harrison Ford, obviously, multiple characters, multiple movies. And Tom Cruise is just, he's just, you know, Mission Impossible and everything else Johnny mentioned. My fourth one is someone who is a definitely a pop culture icon for his physique, for his voice, for all the movie, all the kind of the era of movies he's in from action to comedy. Um, and that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, even in movies that are bad, I enjoy watching him, even if he is giving a bad performance, like in Batman and Robin. 
Um, I, I just find him entertaining. Uh, and I even liked him in the, the, you know, Terminator Genesis, which is not a good movie, but he's the best part of that one. But for he defined an era of kind of the muscle-bound action star, uh, and then he kind of branched off and did a lot of comedies and type of stuff throughout, throughout the 90s and that. He was in one of the biggest blockbusters of all time for years, which was T2. Um, and so I, I think that he kind of defines an era, him and Sly, uh, and I went with Arnold over him. So there's my four. All right. And Tristan, what are your four picks? All right. I, Tristan? I have two that were already brought up, so I'm going to knock them off really quick. I think Tom Cruise, the modern action star, he can draw people in to see anything he, he wants, and he's very much like involved as a producer, so I think that's very important too. Like he's not just going there and saying the lines. I feel like The Rock sometimes does that. He just goes there and says the lines. <laughs> Tom Cruise is very much involved in the production and involved in the effects and the stunts and all that kind of stuff. Um, the second one is Harrison Ford, I think, in creating iconic characters. And you can go back and watch him. It's like a pleasure to watch. <laughs> I think people uh, overlook Harrison Ford as an actor sometimes. They're like, oh, he's just like the gruff guy who does the Han Solo lines. But I think he's given some really great performances. So I think he's a great actor to have on the list here. And then I have two that I haven't, I haven't gotten brought up yet. Uh, the first I'm going to mention is one that might not always be the lead, but he has led a lot of movies, and he's popped up in how I, I couldn't even count the amount of blockbusters. And that's Samuel L. Jackson. You got Star Wars, you got Marvel, you got Die Hard, you got Pulp Fiction. He's all over the map. You know, Pulp Fiction was that huge indie uh, blockbuster hit. You know, no one really thought Pulp Fiction was going to be anything, and then he kind of relaunched career with that. And of course, he's the supporting role of Marvel and Star Wars and even in movies like uh, Hitman's Bodyguard like he does these B-level blockbusters that people go see and they make money and that's kind of just like they go see him he's the appeal so I have him there on my spot in my last I wanted to cover what I consider to be a blockbuster actor not necessarily from America and American movies and that's Jackie Chan he has some huge hits like Police Story uh, that were huge hits in his home country but he's also had some domestic hits who want to call him a blockbusters only like Hollywood movies and you could say like Kung Fu Panda an animated huge blockbuster hit Rush Hour was a huge blockbuster hit so I think he has that cross appeal of multiple countries and also goes through multiple genres like action and comedy and I think he also is someone that is very involved in his own stunts and you you look at Police Story some of the more most effective practical stunts in a movie so I think he's kind of like a Tom Cruise of of a different generation of a different country so i wanted to give him some love on my list here all right so that that's your four right yeah so we have three that i think are locked in harrison ford tom cruise and will smith and we're looking for that fourth option and for me if i were to place my vote and i think the audience agrees with me is for that fourth option is samuel l jackson i agree too yep i shout out to sam jackson i love him i didn't think of him because i mean i didn't pick him because he's not ever the lead of it those movies but i i think that still deserves a place of being in as many as he's in yeah so is that yeah. what we're going and for with those fours and anyone have anything else they want to add or i like that, that. that was roger say, moore what yeah and arnold's yeah. always fun but i would rather have sam jackson on the list roger I moore wanna, i want to you go first no you say something i was just had a question <laughs> up there I just wanted to add that I didn't realize you're gender-specificing this list, so my fourth one was Marilyn Monroe, but I switched oh. her up for Harrison Ford. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize it was gender-specific. I just think Hollywood's it sexist. Wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, Hollywood's yeah. sexist, so uh, yeah. there weren't a whole lot of options. But I just uh, yeah, that's the problem when you look at like all of the all of these lists, and I was just like, there's not many women characters that 
fall into, you know, yeah. some are blockbuster categories if you take out, I mean, even if you look at the superhero movies, like in a few years, you could argue maybe Wonder Woman, but she hasn't yeah. done enough, you know, and, and you don't really have a lot of that. I which originally is, which had is a problem for sure. I originally had Zoe Saldana because of the fact that she's in Avatar and the MCU and Star Trek and Pirates of the Caribbean, but then I remembered Avatar came out in December, so that doesn't really yeah. count. And I think Samuel yeah. L. Jackson kind of fills that similar type thing of, you know, a person that's kind of the background in all of these franchises. So, uh and one thing I was going to say is Roger Moore was going to be my vote because I like the idea of the guy who is kind of known for just like really one franchise and yeah you know dominated an era but with that being said our uh mount rushmore of summer blockbuster actors are harrison ford thomas cruz mapather the fourth will smith and samuel l jackson all right i which, like it which brings us to summer blockbuster franchises and i believe johnny is kicking that off all right franchises this this was a maybe a tougher one than expected going into it um but i think i'm going to settle on i have six but i'm going to settle on four i'm going to go you can't really argue it star wars you know it was uh started off as a huge one and now they've kind of moved their release dates to december but first what six movies were all summer release dates so i think plus solo no one cares about solo. solo um that one doesn't count. That one maybe hurts the argument. Maybe I'll take it off the list. And probably um, now, Clone so, Wars yeah. also. So who knows? I think that yeah, while, while, yeah. while you can argue that, you know, there may be only three good Star Wars movies released in the summer, um, a lot of them are, and they all make money. So you got to go with that franchise. Um, I'm sticking to it. I'm going with James Bond. That was the uh, summer blockbuster franchise up until the 90s when they decided to change it to more of a November release. Um, I do still think some of the later movies had uh, summer releases in like the UK and some other countries. But yeah, for the most part in the US, they kind of shifted it. But yeah, for a long time, that was the summer blockbuster franchise. Um, I also went with Indiana Jones. He's on our Mount Rushmore as a character, um, Harrison Ford's on there as an actor, Indiana Jones is very summer. If they were to release the next Indiana Jones movie and it was in December, it would feel weird because that just feels like a summer type of a movie, even to just watch it and stuff. Um, and then I had, a, I had a tough time with my fourth category. I was debating on Mission Impossible. Um, not all of them have come out in the, in the summer, but the ones that have have been big hits. Um, but I didn't go with that. And I was debating on Jaws just because while the sequels aren't very good, that franchise as a whole might deserve some love just for the first one. Um, but then I had to go with, I don't know if you can specifically call it a franchise, but the MCU, if you want to narrow it down, the Avengers um, <coughs> movie specifically. So I think that those four are pretty solid. They're some of the biggest franchises in the world and in the history of cinema. Um, and when I think summer blockbusters, all of those really kind of define what that is to me. They're all big, big budget, big action movies, adventure movies. And uh, I think that kind of is what it is. So Star Wars, James Bond, Indiana Jones, and the Avengers slash MCU for me. All right, Bobby, what do you got for your picks? Uh, very similar to Johnny. And I, I think that some of these are definitely going to be kind of clearly on multiple lists. Um, Star Wars, I think that's a gimme. Uh, really no need to go into it. 
I had the MCU slash Avengers, so that's what I did as well. I said, like, if you don't want to count just the MCU, you can put the Avengers movies in there. Um, I also had Indiana Jones. He's popped up on every single, like, list that he is available in this, and I think that it just kind of defines summer blockbuster. Uh, And then the last one I have is a franchise that I'm not a fan of, but I'm more, more, you know interested in the story surrounding it and kind of how it became what it is and that is the fast and furious which is like the modern action uh it started out as just car racing point you know point break rip rip off and then and it wasn't even a big hit really until the fifth movie uh when it started making crazy money and then you know five six seven eight and nine like out of all those i think four of them made a billion dollars and it's just become a crazy weird franchise with dumb names uh, and uh i i think it, it it fits the bill as a like it's just no other franchise has done that where it started out as an okay hit when and was fading and then all of a sudden in the fifth movie comes in and becomes a blockbuster franchise so not a fan of the movies but i like the story uh, so i have star wars the mcu indiana jones and fast and furious it's all about family that's what oh, yeah. family. and corona yeah yeah all right, Tristan, what do you got for your picks? I'll cover the couple that I got mentioned before. Of course, Star Wars is going to be on the list. It's Star Wars. It's the ultimate, like, from a nothing movie to the ult- the massive IP that dominates the entire world. And, you know, it's Star Wars. I can't not put it on the list. Got a tattoo right here in my arm. Uh, the second I had that also got brought up is Bond. I think when you're talking about long-running franchises, you're talking about, like, the escalation from just a spy movie to, like, the ridiculous craziness and then back down to a spy movie, I think. Bond is like the identity of what a, what a franchise really can be. Uh, and then I want to shout out Bobby for picking the great American franchise, the ultimate uh, American action franchise that will come to define cinema, I think, throughout the future of this decade. The ultimate balls to the wall franchise, Fast and the Furious. John Bobby Michael. mentioned uh, the, the craziness <laughs> of going from a racing franchise to like an action franchise and it didn't happen like overnight like it's a gradual kind of thing like it starts off as a really grounded kind of racing thriller movie and then it goes up and up and up and up and up and watching that growth over the course of the last well i didn't watch them all at once i've watched them all over the course last week or so (laughs) but yeah i'm really into it so that's my pick for fast and furious as my third franchise my last one i'm making a final pitch here if you're talking long-running franchise you're talking franchises that are designed purely to make money, purely to have people come to the theaters, see it opening weekend, and then kind of leave and not see it again, you got to cover a horror movie. So I'm making my last pitch here for Friday the 13th. It created kind of the slasher genre as it is. Like, we had Halloween, we had Psycho, but you didn't have, like, the gore fest, like, oh, just go kill the teenagers, and then that's the whole movie. Like, that's what Friday the 13th created, and I think those still make money now. People go out to the theater to see, like, the conjuring and see it to see these movies that it's like oh here's a one center icon killer that's going to take out all the kids and it's just going to be like the entire genre was curated by friday the 13th and we're talking about like oh jason goes to space jason goes to manhattan jason meets this character and this guy from real life and buster rhymes is in this one like i think when you talk about a franchise just kind of going off the rails but still managing to like make money and inspire a fan base that's my pick for friday the 13th so those are my four i've got a couple that got brought up but I also wanted to mention uh, Fast and Furious, of course, the, the ultimate movie franchise, and Friday the 13th, I think, is the ultimate horror franchise. I got to say, uh, Buster Rhymes is in one of the Halloween movies. I don't think he's in one of the Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> You're right. I got my yeah, streams crossed there. <laughs> yeah. 
Alright, so that brings me to my list. Uh, all but one of mine have been brought up before. Obviously, I went with the MCU. You know, we're 22, 23, however many movies deep, and I feel like it's the most popular film franchise of all time. They're pretty much all summer releases. Uh, so I had to go with that. Obviously, I had to go with Star Wars as well. It kind of kicked off what the summer blockbuster franchise is. And then I went with Indiana Jones as well, because again, it's one of those first summer blockbuster franchise. It's as iconic. They're still making a fifth one for some reason. Uh, no idea how that's going to go. And then finally, for my fourth pick, I went with Mission Impossible. I feel like it's the best um, action franchise of all time. Maybe other franchises have you know, better individual movies, but I can't imagine a franchise that's seven movie or six movies in and people can still do, people could list any of the six as their favorite and except I, for the second even one. Two. Yeah. <laughs> the second one's not even like bad it's just like eh. it's weird it's just like it's eh, whatever movie. about it but okay outside of that one five of the movies you can argue are great and people still can argue which one their best one is so i would say mission impossible so and yeah those are my four mcu star wars indiana jones and mission impossible so with that being said we have i think three that are locked in with star wars mcu and indiana jones and then we have two franchises that run only two lists and that's james bond and the fast and the furious so we have a debate on fast and furious so or james bond johnny did, then... or bobby you had it on both lists right no, no i Tristan did. I, so... I had it on Okay. The reason I yeah I left off James Bond because a majority of the movies, especially now, are not summer. So I I didn't, and I thought even less of them were summer when I was making the list. So I had just Fast and Furious out of those two. All right, and Mr. Moist Mason says in the chat, "Go with Jackass, you cowards!" So <laughs> they are in the middle of production on the, the well, fourth one. They, well, they just no. released the trailer this Jackass morning for the fourth with, one, or maybe it was yeah. yesterday. And so Spinner58 says, I vote Bond, and Mr. Moist Mason said Fast and Furious for sure. So I feel so like... We're, as, we're 50 yeah. So me, who didn't have Bond or Fast and Furious on either list, and Tristan, who had it on both, I feel like are the most unbiased as which one it would go between. I, I know where I'm leaning, Tristan. Would you have a preference for which one would make the overall list? I could tell where Tristan's leaning. <laughs> Look, I'm. I know where I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards the Johnny Sucks route here because uh, <laughs> I'm going with Fast and Furious. I think it's definitely close. I think Bond has like the iconography of it, like the long running element of it. But I think just in terms of modern day franchises, just like the complete balls to the wall craziness of Fast and Furious, I think is like the the embodiment of like empty blockbuster Hollywood movies <laughs> that are somehow kind of like fun and endearing. So I think for me, that's that's my pick. Yeah, here's that's... here's my here's my defense uh, for Bond. First of all, Fast and Furious, whatever. Like they're dumb movies that people have fun with. They're not good. Um, but that being said, I I understand that being on the list. That was my fifth. That was in my list of movies that I didn't pick um, originally. But my argument for it is this: Joe had Mission Impossible on his list. Um, we all have Indiana Jones for the most part on our list. You don't have either of those characters. You don't have either of those franchises if you don't have James Bond. They even brought in Sean Connery for The Last Crusade as an homage to the character of Bond. James Bond is the reason that most of these franchises exist as they are. 
Um, you're talking about modern franchises. The MCU encapsulates the modern franchises much more than Fast and Furious does. Um, Fast and Furious, like Bobby said, didn't even start being a, a franchise really until the fifth movie. Um, James Bond was the biggest hit in the world up until, you know, uh, I mean, it still kind of is. I mean, it kind of died in the early 2000s and stuff with Die Another Day. But that is when I think summer blockbusters, I know people coined the term for Jaws. But if you look at a summer blockbuster franchise, James Bond is the original. James Bond is the original summer blockbuster franchise. It's still, you know, it went on doing that until um, the 90s. And now it's moved its spot a little bit. And it's not so much that. But from 1962 until 1989, for a 20-year span, that is the summer blockbuster franchise. You can't say the same about Fast and Furious. Like, yeah, it has 10 years in a run of being dumb fun movies every you know year and a half basically but it's not in the same not in the same stratosphere as james bond and will never have the impact that the the franchise had on other movies there's no movies coming out today that you can credit fast and furious for inspiring and we have two um franchises that could you know indiana jones will make this list and mission impossible could have been an argument that was another one on my list um, you don't have those franchises without James Bond. You can't point to anything else and say Fast and Furious is the reason for this unless it's a failed movie like Need for Speed. The movies. The movies. Right. The movies. Bob, Bobby, do you have a, a vote of what you would pick between these two? After China's? I mean, honestly, look, I like the, the James Bond franchise way more than I like the Fast and Furious franchise. Um and if I were to replace Fast and Furious with anything on these lists, it would be probably Mission Impossible for a similar story where, um, the, like, it kind of picked itself back up and became a franchise years after, like, the first uh, two came out and, it, you know, kind of deal. But I, I, I think it's Fast and Furious for, like, I, I don't – it's like I don't know how it's doing what it's doing. It's just, like, you know, it, it's crazy, dumb, fun action that I don't find that entertaining that – you know, a lot it of does. It's doing what it's doing so. because there's not any dialogue you need to pay attention to, and it has action scenes that are popular in China. Like the the whole reason yeah. Fast and Furious right. is popular is because people who don't speak English can watch it and have fun with it. But the yeah, movie's but not good. The only decent of... one is Hobbs and Shaw, and that was the only, and it was a spinoff. I want to betray myself slightly and say that I I'm leaning a bit more towards Bond now. <laughs> I think Johnny made a good <laughs> I will point say... when he said that. We have the MCU already to cover, like, the yeah. shocking modern-day franchise, so I think yeah. Bond has that, like, long-running, decades-long franchise, so I'm going there instead. I will yeah. say, though, my argument against what Bo Johnny was saying was kind of, like, the points he was bringing up of we already... If we were arguing a top, right, like, his points are all valid and I would agree with him, but as far as, like, the Mount Rushmore, I almost feel like Indiana Jones and James Bond are... Because of the inspiration that Indiana Jones took from James Bond, they're almost kind of represent representations of the same thing so it would almost yes, be but the fast and furious the whole reason that they make money now is because they turned them into superhero movies because they saw the success of the mcu so you can say the same thing yeah. for mcu and fast and furious and i think james bond and indiana jones are far more um far more mount rushmore worthy than either the mcu or fast and furious so i i think uh i think that'd be my argument there all right so what's that? We go James Bond? Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards Bond yeah. unless Bobby has That's a massive nice. argument I, against it. No, because honestly, I, I like the franchise more. I just find the Fast and Furious yeah. movies like 
kind yeah, of Yeah, we already had it's like, definitely more of a modern day summer yeah. blockbuster, but I think if you look at the franchises as a whole, yeah. right. You can still define like the the first twenty years of Bond as that yeah. as yeah, summer I blockbuster. Think, I think if you're going through Bond you can find like a handful of genuinely really great movies like great spy thriller movies like and then in Fast and Furious you're like there's a couple that are like dumb entertainment, but yeah. there's nothing that's gonna be like a long time yeah. forever movie. Yeah, and I think and, and the whole reason that I love James Bond so much is because if you go through the years and what it still does is James Bond takes what is the big thing now and then makes a movie that's like that. So there's like no Star other Wars. franchise that encapsulates. Yeah, there's Star Wars gets Raker. big, so they do Moonraker. You have all of these Die Hard and 80s action movies and Scarface, so they do License to Kill. You have these big early 2000s and late Born. 90s like crazy movies, so you do Die Another Day, and then you have to reboot the franchise, so you go, you know, you go Born, and then the fault of it is sometimes you get a specter where it's like, well, we have to connect everything and make one universe because of the MCU. And then it kind of fails, but I like it for its failure and for its uh, things, but you can't find another franchise that has a, a spy movie, a black exploitation movie, a space movie, a genuine spy thriller, and like a, you know, just kind of yeah. crazy action movies thrown in there. So I, I think it encapsulates yeah. everything that summer blockbusters ever have been. Yeah. You're not going to, it doesn't take too much to, get Bond to go over Fast and Furious for me, so that's fine. <laughs> and also, for me, you tried to choose Fast yeah, and Furious. Yeah, because, bas- because I, like, because the span of movies that really would have been the summer blockbusters aren't my favorite span of Bond movies, the Roger Moore ones, which are some I really like, and some I think are kind of schlocky and not, not crazy. I mean, I agree. But, yeah. You know, but, um, so for the span of time that it was in the summer, it's comparable in nature to Fast and Furious, at least, How where it's kind of the more, more corny, and the more corny side, but I still like them. They're still great. Yeah. And I will say, like, in Fast and Furious, you're getting, like, the 25 movies worth of Bond escalation in, like, a five-movie span. Like, you're going from the really <laughs> low... <laughs> yeah, it's wild. They're going into space in, like, the seventh, or, like, the ninth movie. Night. Yeah. 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 I don't know. And the ninth movie that's come out in, like, ten years, it feels like. First one was 2001, so... 20 years? That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it started off with them stealing TV VCR combos. But shout out, though, to, um, I don't know if he's Hobbs or Shaw, but Jason Statham. I just watched uh, Wrath of Man last night. I believe he's Shaw. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. That makes sense. Um, But yeah, I watched Wrath of Man last night. I uh, highly recommend it. That's a great movie. I watched Pig in theaters, came home and watched Wrath of Man. It was a good night for for movies. All right, so I think that wraps up our uh, franchise, Mount Rushmore. We have... Star Wars, the MCU, Indiana Jones, and James Bond, which I feel like are four worthy uh, Mount Rushmore category or four worthy Mount Rushmore members. Uh, mm-hmm. So that wraps up our show for today. As far as our Mount Rushmore, uh, we can go around the room, talk about any picks, anything we're surprised didn't make an overall Mount Rushmore, anything we were glad did. Uh, Johnny, any comments about today's episode? Um, I mean, I'm happy about the uh, James Bond making it on the end there. I fought hard for it. Um, the one that I, I mentioned and then kind of forgot I even said and I would have put more of a fight for, for the unexpected blockbusters, I liked representing Jurassic World as far as one that you knew might make some money, but no one expected it to make as much money as it did. That's different than I think anything else uh we mentioned for that most of them were it was a low budget or you know kind of not that big genre and it just kind of blew up but 
I I can I still to this day do not know how Jurassic World made as much money as it did. Props to that franchise, but wow, that that was I remember seeing that opening weekend and just being shocked because we went to see that movie and being like it was fun, like you know, it's better than mm-hmm. the sequels, but the movie itself wasn't great. It has a lot of really dumb moments and then it just was such a massive hit. Yeah. It was crazy. Um yeah. and then I feel like Fallen Kingdom erased like any bit of uh, momentum that that franchise had going for it like the next movie but that was to be expected all right and uh bobby same question uh the only one that i like kind of wished would get on the list but with what we chose i don't know where it would be is hans gruber just to get a villain and like the iconic single performance on there but um i'm pretty happy with most of them i mean i i think you know, we were we were in common on a lot of picks that that I you know like Indiana Jones and and Star Wars and Avengers and all that type of stuff. So um, it's still always fun to hear all the different picks. Like I loved hearing uh, like Bla- even just Blair Witch, which did make it, was a cool pick that I didn't think of. Yeah. Um, and even like Friday the Thirteenth is something I wouldn't have thought of because for one thing, I I just instantly think most horror franchises come out in October. So I didn't even think about that, but I looked it up, and mo- all of those are pretty much summer releases. So that does does count. But yeah, no, uh, fun episode. Uh, I it, I like doing these. It's a lot less stressful than doing uh, the, the pitches against one of one another and getting a little bit more heated. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next time we do this. All right, Tristan, yeah. and how upset are you that Friday the Thirteenth got no representation on our Mount Rushmore? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty mad. We went for a lot of the traditional, like, action kind of blockbusters. I was hoping for some outside stuff, you know, like you get the horror movie representation, that kind of thing. But, you know, we didn't go for it this time. I guess got to push harder next time. But, yeah, it was a good episode. It's a lot less stressful. I don't, I don't sit here and spend a week with anxiety over my pitches mm-hmm. being bad, and I just get to come in and talk about movies. It's a good way to do it. If you're watching blockbuster movies, me and Joe recently reviewed Black Widow, so you can find that on the YouTube channel. Uh, it was all right. <laughs> Probably won't make a Mount Rushmore anytime soon, but Mount Rushmore you know, you of solidly okay MCU movies. I would say this though, just before I forget mentioning off Tristan's point of, first of all, wait till October when we get to do horror movie Mount Rushmore. So I think that will be exciting. I think we're gonna try to do this monthly and have different categories. Would be fun. I like these episodes, and anyone watching or who watches this and either knows us personally or wants to message us on Twitter or facebook or instagram or anything and you have suggestions for themed uh, mount rushmores or categories or anything of that let us let us know what you guys want to see because we like doing these episodes mm-hmm. like we said and it's yeah it's a nice break in between uh in between fighting with each other so anyone who wants to see specific things maybe mason wants an all fast and furious episode um we probably won't do that but you that know, would be if hard if you're, yeah. if you're we Johnny we, more of family of yeah lines. we we'd have to get Michael on that episode and have a family episode yeah hundred <laughs> percent even though I don't mm-hmm. think any of us are big Fast and Furious fans I, I know you and Definitely I are not. I doubt Michael is too so all right and now, we had Joe's mom in here and one thing I wanted to say was I'm happy I got Blair Witch Project on the overall Mount Rushmore I was kind of a late a edition pull. one that I was looking up when I was looking up uh, unexpected movies and then I just started to look at low budget movies that succeeded and when I, I I would have assumed that Blair Witch Project was like a September October release but when I saw it was released in like mid July I was like oh shit definitely got to put that on the list for unexpected uh, hits and uh, some housekeeping things 
Uh, Tristan and I are going to stream our Disney Plus uh, weekly review uh, Friday at 7 o'clock here, I think, unless he works at that time, but then we'll stream it later on YouTube. Uh, basically, if you have Disney Plus and you're like, I have it, I don't really know what to watch, we kind of review all of the big drops that week on Disney Plus. Uh, this week we're reviewing the most recent episode of Bad Batch. There's a documentary about the behind the scenes of Loki that we're going to review. We also have a, I think, a show called Behind the Attraction, which kind of talks about various attractions at uh, Disney World. And we're also going to review the premiere episode of Turner and Hooch starring Josh Peck. So that is... What? I forgot about that. I, I just watched. I, ju yeah. I just watched the premiere episode uh, about ten minutes before this started. So, uh, yeah, watch our Disney Plus review to see our review of the Turner and Hooch or the premiere episode of the Turner and Hooch show. Uh, yeah. Starring starring the non-sexual president. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. I was and about to bring that up. Also, yeah. one of the things we've been wanting to do, to, number one, to help us like market the show, is have more like themed months. So with uh, we're kind of going to wrap up this month. Next week we have the championship match between Bobby and Johnny, and then the month after that, because Suicide Squad comes out on HBO Max and in theaters the first week of September or August, I mean the first week of August, August is going to be kind of our Ensemble Movies Month where we'll do either a Mount Rushmore or Hall of Fame that relate to Ensemble Movies. Our uh, fight at the end of the month, that's our normal main episode, will be kind of Ensemble Movie themed. And then in September, to build up to James Bond uh, releasing, I think, October 8th, September is going to be James Bond Month. So kind of yeah. with this, we're going to probably do... Me and Tristan are going head-to-head -head in a James Bond match. Uh, we'll probably do, like, another Mount Rushmore or Hall of Fame, something with James Bond. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. That's kind of what we're going towards. And because of the length of our main show, uh, our championship matches will still be seven movies apiece, but we've all decided to cut down on our episode length. We're going down to uh, five pitches per match instead of seven. Because so, we keep trying new things to get down to, like, Two hours, two hours, two hours and 15 minutes, somewhere in there. No matter what we do, it always winds up being like two and a half hours. So we've decided that five matches and or yeah, five pitches instead of seven will be the best route to go. And unless anyone else has anything to say, I'm going to end it here. Johnny sucks. Johnny does suck. Have Fuck a nice you. night.